Good morning. Good to see most of you recovered from yesterday. Uh, again, they had about over 2,000 people. 1,700 went through the gate, and then there was probably another three or 400 that didn't. They went around the side, but it was a really good thing. I want to especially say thank you for all of you that made it possible. Just an outreach in the community to tell people that we love them. And I really believe that, again, friends, as we take every opportunity, Paul was such a bridge builder. You know, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we've been looking how the early church began and how God used it in such a unique way in reaching out. And Paul, as he was saved in the chapter before that we're reading today, he actually was was redeemed, really, by the church to a guy named Barnabas. Paul was a guy that was out persecuting Christians. Uh, He would take them, men or women, and take them to Jerusalem and try to get them executed. This is the kind of guy he was, believing that he was doing God a favor. Well, God got a hold of him. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He goes, well, I'm Jesus, the guy you're persecuting. And so he goes, what do you want me to do? When he went to Damascus, the Bible says that he received his sight. He was blinded. He received his sight. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul now, changed from Saul to Paul, becomes quite an evangelist in preaching God's word. Now we get into chapter 10. This is probably one of the most unusual chapters in the Bible. The reason why is we're almost halfway through the book of Acts before the Jews realize that Gentiles, those that were not Jews, Gentiles could even be saved. Talk about prejudice. Because they believe that what happened is you had to become a Jew first. You had to become circumcised, all the things of the law, and then you could accept Christ. Well, we remember there was a centurion Name Cornelius. Cornelius was a, was a high-ranking government army general, if you will. And while he was praying, the Lord appeared to him. And, and, and in that dream or in that vision that he saw, he was told to get a hold of Peter to come and tell him about the Lord. Now, I think it's interesting as we look at this, and we're going to get into this in a minute, but why the Lord didn't send him to Philip? Philip was just right around the corner, but he had a specific purpose for Peter to come. And I look at that in a couple of things. Number one, God has a specific purpose for you. And I like that about God. Just as we all look differently than one another, God has a different calling on each one of us. And I found that in Christian world, I can't wear somebody else's shoes. I can't look and see what somebody else is doing or what some other minister is doing. What, God, do you want me to do? Because it's real easy to be a copycatter rather than just simply pray and ask the Lord to open and close the doors of what he wants us to do. You see, it's real easy just to look around and fall into the crowd and do what they're doing. But you got to remember something. You're not that way. You are uniquely and wonderfully made by God for God's specific 
purpose. And so we find God now using Peter in a very unusual way, and that was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and may you cause each one of us to understand how uniquely and wonderfully we are made by you for your good kingdom and for your blessing. God, we ask you now that you would strengthen us through these words. You remind us who we are and you'd open the doors before us in Jesus name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 10, verse 24. The following day, they entered Caesarea. Now this is when Cornelius sent some people from his house down to Peter's house. He knew he was staying down in Joppa and he said, why don't you come up here? We need you. And so it says, They were waiting for him. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and he had called together his relative and his close friends. Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Peter said, lifting him up, stand up. I myself am also a man. You know, it's really weird because this vision that he had of this angel coming to him was so pronounced that now Peter comes in, he begins to think that it's not really the Lord, but it's Peter. But no, Peter says, get up. Now, something always important. God will use every one of us that are called by his name. I like that about God. You don't have to be a Christian for 50 years or 25 years. God will use you the minute that you accept him as Savior. God will begin to use you in an amazing way. But one thing we always need to be careful of, don't ever touch God's glory. Now you say, what do you mean by that? Never take the credit yourself. You know, sometimes we'll have people call up onto every man and answer. And they go, oh, Mike, we just love your radio show. Oh, you do. I go, thank Jesus. It's so easy, friends, sometimes to begin to think you're the reason for the season rather than Christ. Always let the glory go to God. That's why we're here. We are representatives of his kingdom. Never forget that, that God has called you to represent him on this earth. What a neat calling, if you think about it for a minute. Of all the things I could waste my time on in this world, to think that I could actually represent God to the people and the people to God through prayer. Wow, for every one of us, that's who you are. And believe me, I'll tell you something. I believe the devil will do whatever he can do to distract you from that great calling. Where in Jesus, when they said, teach us to pray as Jesus, as John taught his disciples, Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our father, which art in heaven, praise your holy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what it's about, friends, doing God's will here on this earth. Now, listen, this is what's really cool. Because when you do that, God then infuses in you his Holy Spirit to do those things. And friends, that's where the miracles are. That's where the power of God is. I've had people say, well, why doesn't God do miracles like he did back in the Bible? Hey, friends, he does. There's people in this church, you can walk up and talk to them. Uh, they've been healed by God. 
legs that should have come off, cancers that should have killed them. They're still alive. They're still here. And God has blessed them. What I'm saying is this. The devil will try to distract you from what God's best is for you. And sometimes the distraction can be personal praise. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so, yeah, I know, I'm just so good. You know, we're all rats on this bus, I'll tell you. I mean, think about it a minute. When you really get into your thought processes, when you really get into your attractions, when you really get into your computer when no one else is around, you begin to realize something. We need Jesus, don't we? Well, this is what he's saying here. He lifted him up and he said, look, I'm just a man as well. Verse 27, and he talked with him and went in and found many who had come together. So Peter shows up. Cornelius has already assembled a huge group of people to hear him, hear him speak. And so he says, he said to them, you know, it's unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company and go with one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now this goes back to where he saw this blanket let down from heaven, held by, picture a bed sheet held by four corners, like a little basket. And out of this bed sheet that comes down out of heaven, you see a pig's head sticking out, and maybe a crab hanging on, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, God says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, no, Lord. You always know you're in trouble when you say to God, no. Okay. Well, anyways, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything creepy crawly like that. And God says, what I've cleansed, don't you call uncleansed. Three times the Lord told him to rise, Peter, kill and eat. And finally, on the last time, he says, what I've cleansed, don't you call uncleansed. It's not what goes into our mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out of our mouth, Jesus said. So the thing is, maybe not all of our choices in our dietary thing are good for us. I could eat a whole bag of Cheetos and then probably die. But uh, the problem is we have all kinds of dietary choices. They're not all maybe the best health-wise for us. But it doesn't determine your position in heaven. Remember that. Because a lot of times people think, well, and you'll find Judaizers. And they're around today. They were around then. You go, what's a Judaizer? That's a person who after you're born again, you're set free. You're going to heaven is not based upon your performance, but it's based upon what Jesus did for you. And they'll say, well, now that you're saved, now you really need to get saved and worship on Saturday and don't eat pork and do all these things. This is the very thing that God showed Peter. It is not what comes out of, it's not what goes in our mouth that defiles us. It's what comes out. And he said, what I've cleansed, don't you call uncleansed. And this was the principal diet of the Gentiles. So he says to him, But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You see, we're all brothers and sisters. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. And you got to remember something, we need each other. And the days to come, I believe we're going to need each other more and more. Um, 
You know, when we, I mean, it's hard to believe that in just 23 months, 22 months, now they're announcing that there is going to be, we're, we're going to be, the United States will be completely out of diesel fuel in, in another, another few months. And you think, what is going on here? Well, again, friends, I, I believe it's sinister. I believe it's on purpose. You take a handful of darts and throw them in a dartboard. The chances of one of those darts hitting the dartboard are pretty good. How is it that everything they're doing now, nothing is good for America? Well, there's a plan. It's called a one world order. The Bible talks about it. One world order, one world currency. Well, what about the American dollar? Well, if you collapse it by doing all kinds of shenanigans, which I believe we're all seeing happen, then it'll collapse and then out of the ashes comes the new socialistic one world order. Well, that's what I believe we're all headed for. But in the, in, in the meantime of that, we need each other, and God has built within us a family. But if we don't remember that, again, as Paul says here, that he says, I should not call any man common or unclean. There's no room for prejudice in the body of Christ. Again, because God loves you. And God transcends any race, color, creed, or any of those things that we need to love one another in Christ. Now, friends, outside of Christ, it's pretty hard to do. You know, again, we've talked a lot about this over the years, but back in the hippie movement, you know, love is all you need, you know. Beatles said that. They, 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 then they broke up and sued each other. I don't need that kind of love. But we do need a supernatural love that comes from God that transcends all those other things and to be and realize that Jesus died for all of us. No, he says, therefore, verse 29, I came without objection as soon as I was asked, for what reason have you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour and the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood in me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. By the way, your prayers are always heard. Don't ever forget that. Your prayer has been heard. And so he says, behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Your prayer has been heard. Your alms are remembered in the sight of God. That's talking about his charitable outreach of his life. Um, A lot of times the Gentiles, because they weren't welcome in the temple, they couldn't really tithe. So what they would do then, and Cornelius was, you might say, a Gentile believer that knew about the true and living Yahweh, but he couldn't fit into the Jewish system. And so he would alms give. Now, in the Bible, there's three ways of giving. There's tithe, which is 10% of what we make. There's offering that's above and beyond that of supporting other things. And then there was alms giving. And alms giving is what you did as an example. Your next door neighbor broke his leg, and, 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 he, and he, his lawn is getting up to uh, you know his ankles. And you just go over there and say, "Hey, I mowed your lawn for you. Bless your brother. I love you." And Jesus wanted me to do that for you. That's alms giving. 
You see somebody hungry, you give them something. You, all these kinds of, those are things that we just do because God reminds us of how much he's blessed us. We turn them and bless others. So his, God saw those things. And it was remembered, and, and I think it's also uh, important to remember here as well, uh, what reason have you sent for me, Peter said. You know, I don't always know what God's going to do. I just know that if you do what God tells you to do and show up, the miracles will happen. You know, uh, I, 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 like I say, I've shared that so many times before. Why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible? Not today. Because I re- really believe today we need to be more spirit-led. You know, when you see something, and I've shared this before as well, out of the ordinary, look for God. That is not something that just normally happens. When you see that, you go, well, that's kind of weird. Well, hey, that's God bringing your attention to something because something in that is where God's going to use you and others in a great way. So he says, Cornelius, your prayers have been remembered. Send therefore to Jaffa, call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is a lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. So that's why he had all of his gang there, because he knew Peter was going to come because the angel told him. So he had everybody ready. He was ready to have a Billy Graham crusade right there. So he says, I sent you immediately... And have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded to you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth. And by the way, and if you're going to say something, that's a good place to start. Now you say, what? Well, you know, a lot of times you step out in faith. I don't always know what to tell somebody. I was asked to go up and pray for somebody in the hospital, and I went up there, and I didn't really know what to say. And then when I realized their condition, how serious it was, you know, I, I, I just went in there, and I, you know, you're just the compassion that God gives us. And I saw this guy laying there, and he only had a few hours to live, and I, I, I was saying, how do you present the gospel to somebody that's dying and I just opened the, I opened my mouth and what came out was, buddy, you're getting ready to go on a journey and I want to be sure you're ready to go. Because you see, and I began to explain to him who Jesus was. The point is, is that if we don't step out in faith, nothing will happen. And stepping out in faith is scary because we don't, what, what, what if it all goes wrong? But what if it all goes Right. We a lot of times think, well, if I do this, what will happen? Hey, listen, I don't know. And honestly, it's in God's hands what happens. All God's called you and me to do is just step out in faith. So he says, Peter then opened his mouth and he says, in truth, I perceive that God shows up, shows no partiality. Now, by the way, this is a real hard thing to get over. Because again, when we go back a couple verses, when he said, and he said to them, verse 28, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with one, uh, to go with another, somebody from another nation. Hey, listen, 
When he got back to Jerusalem in chapter 11, we're not going to get there this morning. But when you read the first five verses of chapter 11, man, did Peter get in trouble. He gets back to Jerusalem after explaining all the things we're going to finish reading here in a few minutes. And they raked him over. How dare you go into the house of a Gentile? Bah, bah, bah. And they went after him. You know what? Peter didn't care. He did what God t- called him to do. And friends, that's all any of us can do, is do what calls us to do. So he says, but in every nation, verse 35, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, after baptism, which John preached. Now, again, talking real quickly about this. Uh, John the Baptist, you've all heard of him. He was the forerunner of Jesus. And John the Baptist's ministry was very weird in those days. Because in order in the Old Testament to become a follower of God, to be Judaized, if you will, you'd first renounce your pagan deities. And man, there was a lot of them. There was the Athros and the Baals and all the stars of heaven and all the things that they were worshiping. You would renounce your pagan deities, you would accept Yahweh as your God, and then you would take what was called a ceremonial washing. We know that as a baptism. But this is what was weird. John the Baptist came to the nation of Israel saying, you Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. That was radical because they believed that you inherited your spirituality from your relatives or your parents or your lineage. Our father Abraham taught us, they would always tell Jesus. Well, it doesn't matter what Abraham was taught. What do you believe? And friends, that's what's really important. What do you believe? It isn't what I believe, it's what you believe. And see, you need to know what God's Word says so you'll know that it's based on the Word of God rather than something else. And so there's a lot of bad ideas out there and theologies that are made up. They're not scripturally supported. Well, this verse could mean this. Well, run away from that kind of stuff. You've got to have it absolute. God didn't make it hard except a man becomes a child and not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't say that to entertain us. He said that it's a simple gospel. You don't have to approach God intellectually. You approach God in the simplicity of what his word says. Now he says, the word, verse 36 which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus, he's Lord of all. That word you know, which proclaimed throughout all of Judea, began from Galilee and the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, a Holy Spirit, with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. It's interesting that he cites that because by being hung, that is in the Old Testament, a sign of a person paying for a a, a crime. Well, Jesus had no crime committed. He died in you and my place. And so that's what makes Jesus such a loving God. Is why we were yet sinners, Paul says, Christ died for us. We need to stop to think about that. Scarcely will a man die for, a, for somebody good. But to die for a rotten person? Only Jesus does that. And that's what he did for us. Him God raised up on the third day. And showed him openly. Now it's interesting here. He says that God raised him up on the third day. Speaking of the Father. But yet if you go to John chapter 2. Jesus said that he would raise himself from the dead. In fact if you go to Romans 8. 11 you find the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So you have the triune God. And people say, well, the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. No, it doesn't. But if you look at all the verses pertaining to who God is, it gives us that clear understanding that there's a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they work together. Now, how does that work? How do two become one? Well, marriage is that way. At least it should be. The two become one. You have the same heart, same purpose, same mind, same desires. That's what God's design is. And so the idea then that we find in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The word for God there is the word Elohim, and it speaks of a triunity of God. Uh, And that is defined in the rest of Scripture. So he says... Not all people, but to witnesses chosen before God. He showed himself risen, not to everybody, but at one place, 500 people, those that were, that knew him, uh, saw him. And it says, but witness chose before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Friends, this is good news. When we get a glorified body, you're still going to get to eat and drink things. Isn't that good? You know, I don't know what heaven's like. Maybe we just stuff ourselves on angel food cake. I don't know. But we're going to get something up there. And it isn't that, again, Jesus, when he said, Thomas said, I won't believe he rose from the dead till I put my fingers in the holes in his hand and thrust my hand into his side. Must have been a pretty big spear to make that kind of a hole in Jesus' side. Where the Bible says water and blood came out. But one of the things you find in this picture that we find of of Jesus uh, coming back, you know, Thomas said, I don't believe unless I put my fingers in his hole. Well, Jesus said, here you go. Put your fingers in here. Now, if he was a ghost or if he was an essence or something, he wouldn't have a body. And, and, And if he was a ghost or an essence, he couldn't eat fish with the disciples along the Sea of Galilee after he rose from the dead. So the good news is you can still eat in heaven and will never get fat. Isn't that good news? I like that thought. Yesterday, I was looking at all that candy that kids were eating, and I was thinking, Wish I was a dentist. No, I was looking at all that candy. And I was thinking, you know, there's enough sugar diabetes in here to kill us all. 
But no, you look at it and you think, man, that is good. You know, there's some really good candy and there's... And oftentimes I wonder if kids really appreciate good candy like like uh, Almond Joys and things like that. So I figure I should eat those. But... But uh, no, there, there's there's just different things there for everyone. Jesus could still eat. And I think that's really important that that's one of the things. And then you remember that we're all going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. At the award ceremony of all the things that we've done for the kingdom of heaven, which God will then, uh, I mark our position in the thousand year reign of Christ. Uh, some, the Bible says you've been faithful over little. I'll make you faithful over much. So God's got a great reward for all of us. Good news for us there. And so it says that, um, that he, he, the, even to us that ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins or remission of sins. So that good news, you don't have to stay the way you are. I talked years ago, we had a a psychologist went to our church and I talked to him and he said, you know what, Mike? He said, if I could get the people that my clientele to be able to forgive themselves, I would lose probably 93% of my, of my uh, clientele. But the reason they can't forgive themselves is because they're guilty. You, You see, there's an old song by Randy Stonehill years ago. It was called, Keep Me Running From the Sins I Can't Erase. Well, again, that's why people drink. That's why people get stoned and loaded. Because you don't like who you are. So if I can alter myself, then I can accept myself. So I got to get the buzz on. Well, you know, it's beer 30. Well, if you get the buzz on, I'm altered a little bit. So yeah, I can accept who I am. See, and this is one of the problems with like a lot of these help groups that go out there. They might stop you drinking, but then you'll get on to something else. Why? Because we need forgiveness. You see, that's the problem. We have to run from the things in our past. God forgives us. Not only does he forgive us, but he puts his Holy Spirit in us to help us not get dirty again. Have you noticed that? That you can, you can get forgiven and then go out and get dirty again? But God gives his, us Holy Spirit so we don't go out and end up the way we were. So he says to him that they would receive forgiveness of sins if you'd believe on him. Now, verse 44 uh, is really interesting. While Peter was still preaching these words... The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard his words and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. Wow, now think about that for a minute. Right in the middle of Peter's sermon, God interrupts his sermon And they all start praying in tongues. Now that's kind of weird. Because they were astonished that the Holy Spirit... Now this is one of these weird verses in the Bible. That Gentiles could be saved too. 
Isn't that weird how deep we are into the book of Acts, how the church had been established, and they're just now figuring out that all of us Gentiles could be saved as well. That's pretty cool, ain't it? That God actually is for everybody, not just a select few. And you know, I I really believe, friends, again, I didn't see, now it says that he was just preaching the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon him, they began to speak with other tongues, they weren't out handing, going door to door, you know, uh, passing out flowers in airports or anything like that. They were simply just teaching God's word and the Holy Spirit did the rest. Talked about this last week a little bit more. The Holy Spirit's alive and well on the planet Earth, already working in people's hearts. All they need from us is an invitation to receive him as Savior. That's all they need. And so I had a friend one time, they said, yeah, every time he sneezes, a thousand people get saved. Well, not really, but the point was this, that by just being where people are hungry, knowing the Holy Spirit's been working in their lives, people will accept the Lord. Right in the middle of his sermon, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And notice what it says, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given and poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. Wow, that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 with the Jews gathered in the upper room when Jesus said, go to the upper room and wait and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now friends, here's the only instance in the Bible that I know of where the Holy Spirit filled people at the same time they were saved. Generally speaking, it's a second work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, all those gathered in the upper room, Acts chapter 2, We're all believers in Christ Jesus, but there was something lacking in their life. They didn't have the power of God in their life. They didn't have the love for the lost in their life. That's what God does. By nature, if people aren't saved, I go, oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm going to heaven too bad about you. But no, God changes us. He puts that same love. And and again, seeing the multitudes, Jesus had compassion on them. When you see multitudes of people, do you feel a compassion towards them? Or, oh, what a bunch of miserable people. Man, I'll tell you something. We need the love of God in our heart. That's what God does. That's the love that we talked about. Not the love the way the world is, the, the conditional love. I love you if, but God says, I love you, period. Big difference. And that Holy Spirit that moves upon us, the Bible says, you, being of the world, know how to give your children good gifts. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? You ask for it. That's all you got to do. You didn't have to stand on your head. You didn't have to be a perfect Christian for 20 years. All you have to do is say, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Here, they were nodding their head probably at Peter's sermon, and the Holy Spirit just blessed them that way. Now, another place, Philip had this ministry and he was teaching people. They had all accepted the Lord. They were baptized. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon any of them. They sent for Jer- to Jerusalem for the disciples to come up, lay hands on them, so they would be filled with the, the Holy Spirit. So we find this second work of God that he does. Now, somebody say, well, I believe I've got the Holy Spirit when I believed in Christ Jesus. Well, maybe you did. Maybe you're like these Gentiles right here. On the other hand, if you accepted Christ and your Savior, but here is some things. Number one, there's not a zeal in your heart for God. 
That's an indication you're lacking in the Holy Spirit. Number two, there's no compassion for the lost. In other words, it breaks my heart to see lost people. And if I can expose Christ to people or show, as we did yesterday here, that we as Christians are real people, that they would then understand that maybe God has a real message for them, and that's the idea behind it. So then God does those things in a supernatural way and includes us in his bidding. And so I look at this in a very amazing way that they were astonished that Gentiles could be filled with the Spirit. Now, let's read on. For when they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, speaking of baptism, that these should not be baptized who were received, who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days, really to just teach them, to really just reflect them. Now, I I wasn't going to do this, but I'll do this anyway. Okay, chapter 11. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in in Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. When Peter came up to Jerusalem, in other words, when he went back to Jerusalem after being with Cornelius... It says, he went up back up to Jerusalem. Those of the circumcision contended or fought with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Ugh! Talk about prejudice. Now, these people are claiming friends to be Christians. And this was their attitude. You run into some weird people that call themselves Christians. Hey, listen, the Bible's got a whole lot of them in there. You look at the book of 1 Corinthians, you want to see a bunch of Christians doing a lot of really kooky things. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that was a corrective letter written by Paul to a church because they were doing kooky, weird things. He still loved them. He still called them brethren, but they were doing weird things. Here is a weird thing that they were doing. Now notice, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh my goodness. But Peter explaining it to them in order from the beginning saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying in a trance, in a vision, object descended like a great sheet, let down from heaven, four corners, and it came to me, and I observed it intently and considered, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creepy things, birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, not so, Lord. You're not going to get me to eat at that cafeteria. No, I didn't say that. He said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice of the Lord came to me again and saying, what I have cleansed, you must not call common. Wow. People were angry with him because he associated with Gentiles. Friends, Jesus is for everybody. Now, everybody's a big term, but something greater than that, Jesus is for you. And God wants to do something in you different than before. Not just when you get saved, but each and every day. David said his promises are new every morning. Why does he say that? Because God wants you to be looking for him to do something new in your life. Now listen, 
When you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to first of all tell you something. Your plan will be interrupted. Why is that? Because God's plan generally is not my plan. God's plan is different. And because of that, God will interrupt my plan with different things. Things like out of the ordinary. Things that should not happen that did happen. That sometimes we can cuss and it's the very vehicle in which God is trying to get our attention. I need you here. On your way to work, tire blows out. Oh, God, how does this happen? You don't love me. And then you find the tow truck driver that comes and changes your tire because your tire was flat. Don't ask me how I know these things, but how your tire was flat. And you begin to share the Lord with them. God has a way of getting you to a lost and dying world. Now, if you're not a Christian here today, I can tell you a couple things. Real fast. One, you're wasting your life on meaningless, foolish things that in eternity won't matter one bit. Now, think about it for a minute. What do you want to do? Again, I use this illustration. I know you guys are sick of hearing it, but if you're new here, I want you to hear this. I went to a yard sale. I like junk. I'm sorry, I do. There's only one thing better than one wrecking yard, and that's another one right alongside of it. Went to a yard sale, a lot of stuff there. It was an estate sale. They had all this junk all over the place. And down below the table, because it wasn't worthy to be on the table, it was in an old tattered cardboard box underneath, anything in box, a quarter. And I looked in there. You got to know what's in there, don't you? I looked in there, and there's all these trophies from the guy who died. You know, best sprinter, this, that, and the other thing. A box of trophies. I think if I would have offered him a quarter, he would have sold me the whole box for a quarter. Do you know why? Nobody wanted them. Isn't that something? The things that you spent your life on, the, 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 the practice, the, 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 the discipline of getting up and running or boxing or whatever it is, and you get a trophy for it, yay, you, only to be sold for a quarter. Don't you think your life is worth more? Your exploits, the things you do, are worth more than a quarter? At the end of your life, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last, as the old song goes. You think about that for a minute. Why am I here? And when I realize I'm here for a reason, we have a lost and dying world. Your hands are God's hands. Your feet are his his feet. Letting God be God in your life. Yielding each day to him. If you're not a Christian... Don't go any longer. First of all, you have no daddy. <laughs> That's a sad thing. You have no one really guiding your life except the course of this world. The word in the Bible where it says according to the course of this world, the word for course of this world is where the Greeks got the word weather vane. And the word weather vane, you know what that is. Whichever the way the wind blows is the way the thing will point. And if you're tired of being blown about by the winds of this world, 
the course of this world. Today's your day. If you need to receive Christ as your Savior, I want you to pray. If you've been a Christian that's playing on the wrong side of the fence, I want you to pray this as well. And come home to Jesus. And then we're going to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Now, somebody said one time, they said, well, Mike, once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, aren't you always filled? Yeah. But why do you need to ask him again? I leak. I need God to fill me with his Holy Spirit all the time. Otherwise, I can believe the lies of this world. I can believe the weather vane of this world. I can believe the course of this world. If you need to pray, let's pray right now and let the Lord do what he wants to do in your life. Have you had enough? You want to repent? You want another 20 years like you just had? You better pray. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. He took my place. And he rose from the dead to give me life eternal. And so from this day forward, I call out to you as my Lord and my God. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. I repent of the foolish way that I've lived. And so now make my life pleasing to you today and the rest of my life. Write my name now in your book of life. I can spend eternity with you, never to be scared of dying again. In Jesus' name, amen.